Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Great to be with you again. As I was preparing this, I realised I need to stop and remember that everyone has their own individual experience of the current situation. Some of you are working flat out to get essential work done. I'm so grateful for what you're doing, caring for the vulnerable, keeping the NHS and shops and banks and deliveries going, the tasks we so often take for granted, but we're so glad that you're there now. Others are struggling to work from home with fractious children in the background. It's not easy to keep the whole household happy when some are working, others are attempting homeschooling, the kids are bored, the house is a mess and you know it could go on for quite a long time. For others though, myself included, the day-to-day -day reality couldn't be more different. Normal routine has gone out the window and they're stuck at home with nothing much to do. Social isolation. And I must admit, the novelty is wearing off a bit now. I don't exactly live a wildlife at the best of times, but I'm usually busy and this current state of things is a bit quiet even for me. Enforced imprisonment. Surely this can't be good for anyone. But it's interesting, isn't it? Things that feel bad can often ultimately be good. It got me thinking. Enforced and unjust imprisonment occurs frequently in the Bible. Good people held against the will through no fault of their own. The list includes the Apostle Paul, various prophets. Even Jesus was taken by force and held in army barracks, mistreated and ultimately killed although even the governing authority could find no fault with him. So when we're imprisoned or, let's face it, just socially isolating, we might feel like it's some enemy holding us fast, holding us against our will. But what if it's God? Holding us like a loving father holds a squabbling child. The child is angry and frustrated, but it's being held for its own ultimate good. Let me explain what I mean. The most detailed account of false imprisonment uh, comes in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Incidentally, Genesis is a great saga recording the adventures, misfortunes and mistakes of an ever-growing family, the people of God. And it's really worth a read if you've got time on your hands. Well, in chapter 37 of Genesis, we meet this huge family of 12 boys, the 12 sons of Jacob. Same dad, four different mums. So you can imagine the tensions and rivalry, the jealousy and the favouritism. One of the youngest lads, Joseph, was extremely gifted, clearly his father's favourite, and destined for great things. Joseph seems to have been aware early on that he was a cut above his brothers, and he was pretty proud of the fact. Naturally enough, this wound up his siblings no end, to such a great extent that they just decided to get rid of him. After debating whether to kill him, they finally decided to just sell him to, into slavery in Egypt. Enforced imprisonment, phase one. However, Joseph, being a born leader and an all-round exceptional young man, quickly found his feet in Egypt and having started out as a servant, was soon running the household of the king. How wonderful. Until... Well, the Queen spotted his good looks and decided she fancied a little dalliance with him to enliven up her quiet afternoons at home. 
When he quite rightly rebuffed her and ran away, she was so angry that she accused him of sexual assault and told her husband the king. And so, Joseph found himself once again in prison without trial on a trumped-up charge. I told you the Bible was a good read. So, there we have it. Enforced imprisonment, phase two. So Joseph languishes in prison for several years for something he hadn't done. There's no record of how he felt or what he went through, but he was only human. We can only assume he went through periods of disbelief of, at what had happened. Anger and bitterness, depression, loneliness. There in the darkness, he no doubt at first thought God would quickly rescue him. He was such a favourite after all. But no relief came. The weeks and the months and the years went by. What thoughts tormented his mind? How could he ever forgive those who'd brought him to this? He was there a long, long time. He grew in authority and influence. He helped other prisoners. When they were released, he assumed that they would help him. But no, they forgot all about him. Poor Joseph. How unfair. How on earth, what could, on earth could God be thinking? Why would God let this happen to such a gifted individual? What a waste of his youth and talent. But no, God was doing a deep work in Joseph. Much as he was imprisoned in the four walls of the palace dungeon, he was also imprisoned by his own self, his character flaws and weaknesses. Somehow, during the lonely days, God worked on his character, worked through all the layers of pride, helped him see that his gifts were there not to elevate him above other people, but to help others to serve them. Little by little, his anger and bitterness had to go. He learned to be patient. However much he tried, he wasn't going to get out until God had finished working on him. Finally, one day, circumstances change. Joseph interprets a dream and was able to show the king that the nation was about to face a terrible famine. Joseph is very suddenly released from prison and put in charge of preparations for the famine for the whole of Egypt. What a turnaround. Even the brothers who had tried to kill him now had to come to him for food. Now you might think, at last, Joseph had the chance for revenge. But guess what? God had so worked on his character that there was no bitterness and anger left. Some sorrow, some grief for the years that had gone by, but the terrible pride had gone and been replaced by a clarity he never had before. He saw the purpose of all his suffering. He saw that not only was he now able to save his whole family, but the whole nation as well. A totally different perspective. And Joseph's final summary of the situation was, you meant it to me for harm, but God meant it to me for good. What a great story. But what does it mean for us? Firstly, don't be too quick to interpret your circumstances. What might seem like harm, God might mean for good. So ask God to give you a long view, to give his perspective. It's probably very different from yours. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans in the New Testament, it says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him. Or it can also be translated, all things work together for good to those who love God. Even your most difficult circumstances can be turned to good in God's hands. 
Secondly, in our relatively short time of isolation, what might God be doing? Like Joseph, maybe my prison isn't just the four walls of my house. I might be chained by my own impatience, by buried anger and resentment, by bitterness or maybe pride. Maybe I've imp I'm imprisoned by my own inability to forgive someone or maybe even my inability to forgive myself. In the quietness, God can show me what's really deep in my heart. Jesus said he came to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He said, those the sun sets free are free indeed. I want that kind of freedom and only God can give it in the quietness. One thing's for sure, I don't want to get out of this prison, well, this social isolation, the same person I went in. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to come out of this time a changed person, like Joseph, more patient, more forgiving, more ready to serve. Lord God, show me the invisible things that are holding me and set me free, just as you promised, in Jesus' name. Amen. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.